This is this is a passage that's, in my opinion, I I went I went to Trinidad about five years ago, and somebody told me that I wasn't saved because I was listening to, you know, calypso music and reggae. Right? They told me I wasn't saved, also because I didn't have the evidence of being saved. The evidence of being saved. The signs of being saved. Amen. But I knew better. Because I know my doctrine. Amen. I know the word. So, I want to help you with this. So that I've been talking about the gospel. That it's faith alone in Christ alone. That when you accept Jesus Christ in your life. There's some evidence, right, that you're saved. But along your journey, there will be some people who will try to introduce you. And, and the, the time that we live in right now, there may be people even now trying to introduce you to a different way of salvation. Salvation is your belief in Jesus, Jesus his death, his burial, his resurrection is second coming. Amen. It's simply believing what we talked about last week, that he died and he rose from the dead, period. But there's a very interesting passage in the book of Mark, and I want to deal with the misnomer about it. I want to deal with the people who may try to distort the gospel. And cause you to think somehow that you're not saved. So Mark chapter 16 and verse 17 and 18. Let's look at it. Let's deal with it. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink, if they drink deadly, any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. I want to talk about this morning the victory of the gospel. We talked about the power of the gospel. We talked about the light of the gospel. Amen. We talked about the simplicity of the gospel. Now I want to, I want to talk about the victory of the gospel. That we are victorious. Amen. After we have received the gospel. When we confessed with our mouth and believed in our heart that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead, according to last week's message, you're saved. There is the simplicity of the gospel. 
But there are many today who are looking for more. They cannot just accept the fact that they're saved. They're looking for more. Amen. Works does not save you. It just proves that you're saved. Are you with me? Because faith without works is dead. Now, here's the thing. As a believer, there are certain things about you after you get saved, for real, that changes. Amen. Today, I want to talk about what this victory is all about. I've heard people say we're victorious. I've heard about this victory. Amen. And from this passage of scripture, which has been the most misunderstood passage, because if you take this passage literally, if you take this passage literally, you will begin to try to look for stuff to prove that you're saved. A serpent handling West Virginia pastor died after a rattlesnake bit him during a church ritual where he took this passage literally and when it says in verse 18, they will pick up serpents. This Pentecostal pastor hosted an outdoor service. Amen. In a wildlife management area in West Virginia, he touted on Facebook prior to the prior to the event saying, yeah, we're, you know, I, can, I, I have faith. I can pick up this serpent. I can do things with the serpent. And all of a sudden, the, the serpent or the rattlesnake bit him and he died. He took the passage literally. When Jesus says, if your eyes cause you to sin, I'm trying to help you to interpret interpreting scripture. Pluck it out. Do, uh, do you? How many bad things have you looked at? <laughs> Come on, have have you plucked your eyes out yet? See, it's it's metaphor, metaphors, right? It's he's speaking metaphorically. Amen. Now I'll share this with you. These signs that he talks about in seventeen and eighteen, the disciples did perform these signs at the beginning of the church, except for the one about drinking deadly poison. Amen? All these signs have already been fulfilled for the foundation of the church. The church is standing on these foundational gifts. Miraculous stuff happening in the church. But what I don't want you to do as a believer, amen, and if you have not accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, what I don't want you to do is base your Christian life on fiction. Or base your Christian journey just on 
the miraculous. Oh, our miracles are going to happen. I'm going to speak in tongues. And they told me because I didn't speak in tongues, I wasn't saved and certain things like that. But the point is, saints, these signs just verified the message preached. And what it did, it provided a litmus test for judging the salvation of each individual. At this particular time, Christianity was new. When, when, when Jesus, this is, when Je- this is Jesus speaking. And when Jesus left the disciples, right here at the end of this chapter, he had already rose from the dead. And these signs were the first for the new church. It was foundational. Second, it was to validate that Christ was reigning, but he had been risen. And that the church was operating under this authority. Are you with me? So in other words, that hasn't changed. The foundation of the church is, stands upon the, the miracles that we see the disciples did. Amen. We've seen 3,000 get saved in one day. We've seen the, the blind people see again. We've seen miracles happen. And what the disciples were doing, they were validating. If you look at verse 14 for a minute. Amen. If you, if you look at the context, you'll see why these signs were necessary for the disciples. I'm going to say it one more time. Why these signs were necessary for the disciples. And for some of you, God, you need a sign. I know you need a sign. Some of us, we need a sign because sometimes the Christian journey gets stale. Hello, somebody. But that's only if you've based your relationship with Christ on things and not just simply on believing. Because if you simply just believe, things will happen. You will see things. And I'll show you those things here in a second. Watch this. Watch verse 14. It says, after he appeared to what? (laughs) To the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. This is the resurrected Jesus, right? He, he, He reproached them. For what? For what? Their unbelief. Come on, man. I rose from the dead and you still don't believe? What more do I have to do? I showed up on the water. You thought I was a ghost. You heard me preach that before, right? Amen. And the Bible says he, he, he stayed alive at least 40 days. Watch this. And then... He appeared to them saying, listen, he reproached them for their unbelief. But watch what he reproached them for. Their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now you see why we need some signs like picking up serpents and, you know, speaking in new tongues and all this other stuff. Why? Because they didn't believe. I ask you a question, what does God have to do to you? See, here's the thing. Believing is one thing. But here's the thing. If we're just living our lives, we live in a generation that wants signs. 
If you're Aquarius and I'm a Capricorn, we're going to marry. Let's sign marry. Y'all ain't trying to hear me. What they call it? Sign compatibility and all, all this other stuff. Amen. You know, you know, I'm just saying, and the world is looking for the same thing. Jesus is saying, don't live your life on signs and superstition. Live your life upon the truth. I left you on record my word. Now remember, this passage was foundational for the church, but there are some movements, some charismatic movements, who teach people that if you don't speak in tongues, if you don't lay hands on people, if you don't do this, then you're not saved. And that is absolutely wrong. And I challenge anybody, amen, who would like to have a conversation with me about whether or not this is fact. Or fiction. Amen. Nobody in here. I'm just saying, right? Because I know people are watching, right? Watch this, watch this. Yet Jesus, <laughs> but here's the thing, right? He he rebuked them for their what? For their unbelief. But yet, look what Jesus said in verse 15. See, he says something about them. See, if if oh man, I wouldn't have said that next. Me personally. You don't believe in me? Then move around there. How can I trust you to go do this? I just, I just felt something right there. <laughs> Seriously, watch, watch this. How can I trust you to go preach to the whole world the gospel? Let me tell you what Satan been doing for a long time. He been counterfeiting this stuff. He been bootlegging the gospel. He's been making illegal copies of it and selling it in front of the Chinese restaurants at the gas station. Knocking on the doors. A false gospel that has people believing that I got to say, oh, sugar, booger, 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 booger to be saved. It's not real. It's not a real gospel. It's a fake gospel that got you thinking that you got to do something else. Listen, what God wants to change in you, boo, is your heart. He want to change your heart. He wants to, listen, you can act right for so long. You, remember, you see how long that lasts? That don't last long, huh? That's because you're acting right. But if your heart is changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not going to talk the same. Let me cut down the chase here. Watch this. I would have never said this. I would have been like, can I trust these fools? I mean, these people, these men. Go preach the gospel to all the world. Watch this. Verse 16. And he, and he who has believed, watch this, and been baptized shall be saved. But he who has, I would say, are y'all saved? <laughs> Look what he says. He says, he who has believed and has been what? Baptized shall be what? Saved. But he who has believed, has disbelieved, shall be condemned. They needed, like many of us, we needed proof. 
These were the apostles. What, what does this mean for us today? Did these signs cease? What signs do we have today? Good question, huh? I see these signs now metaphorically. I see the victory of Calvary still working in the lives of God's people 2,000 years later. I see the sign of a changed life. I see the victory. Come on, somebody. When I don't do what I used to do. I see the victory that I don't think the same. See, I'm not looking for a sign. I'm looking for a life change. Lord, change me. I'm tired of being like this. And remember what I said a couple weeks back. How can you be in church? How can you be in the presence of God and never change? How can you go back home week after week, month after month, year after year, and still be this? Listen, if I was the same pastor I was 15 years ago, something be wrong with that. But I thank God today that I see the victory. The victory of the gospel. And he says, these signs, verse 17, will accompany those who have believed. Now, the word signs here means miracles. But it also means a mark. He says, these signs will accompany. Now, watch this. The word signs is in the nominative case. The nominative case is usually used to indicate that the subject of the sentence, who the subject of the sentence is. He says, he who has what? I'm sorry. These signs, signs, will what? Accompany who? Those. So, so, So it's in the nominative case. Amen. But, but the word follow or accompany is in the indicative mood. So he says these signs, signs, will accompany future tense indicative mood. You know what future tense is, right? Okay, future. Indicative means a fact. That, watch this, the indicative mood affirms the reality of the action. Why am I going here with this? Because I want you to know that these things really did happen. But it happened in the future. It happened after the disciples had truly given their lives to the Lord. The the indicative Mood indicates, watch this, the time at which an action will take place, not may take place. He says these are the signs which accompanied those. So the first thing is you got to understand is that the victory only on what? Facts, not feelings. 
these signs really did happen. These things really did happen. Again, it's recorded all through Scripture, but I don't know where the one with the drinking of the poison is. Didn't see that. Didn't record that. Holy Spirit never revealed that. So the first thing you got to understand about the victory, it's victory only on what? Facts. Get your facts. Don't let people come up to you and prophesy lie to you. The Lord told me to tell you, uh, your finance is in trouble. Well, my finance is always in trouble. <laughs> Duh. Anybody know that? You understand what I'm saying? That, that, that's how they're going to do it. They're going to try to, they're going to try to present something to you that's based on your feelings. A gospel based only on what? Feelings. Watch this. Watch this now. Watch this. Watch this now. Watch this. So, 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 so watch it. Let's look at this metaphorically real quick. Watch this. He says, these are the signs that will accompany those who believe what? In what? My name. Notice. He says that the signs will not happen in any other name. Money cometh. Money cometh to you. Paula White praying to the African spirit to come to America to help Trump win. Not that name. Are you with me? So, so victory first is what is only on facts, not feeling. The second thing is victory only in his name. Let me say this to you. You can call Buddha. You can call whoever. They ain't going to show up. But if you call on the name of Jesus. See, what I'm trying to tell you is in order to unlock the victory, you got to go through Christ. And I want to say to somebody here today, there is signs and miracles that accompany your faith. But you'll know whether or not you've called on his name on another name. Victory doesn't come in no other name but Jesus. Demons fly. Demons can't stand his name. The Bible said they shudder. They shake at that name. See, sometimes you just got to go home and don't put no oil on nobody. Just say the name Jesus. See, they didn't lie to you about that oil thing too. Don't sprinkle no water nowhere. Jesus. Don't throw no cloth on no cloth on nobody. Jesus. And especially don't get one that's mailed into you. You don't know where it been. But you sitting there watching TBN and they filling you with that juice. Send fifteen ninety nine for the cloth. Get that holy oil. It comes straight from me. It comes from the from <laughs> Listen. How can you we be so smart but yet be so misinformed? How about to say something else? Watch it. Watch this. Be so misinformed. Remember I told you the gospel is not for the intelligent. For people like me. Simple. Simple. Come on. Come on. You don't need a college degree to get this. 
See what I'm saying? You don't need even a high school degree to get this. Matter of fact, Jesus was 12 and he got it when he went to the temple. He's like, yo, what's up? What y'all talking about? <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> and he's in there learning the word. The Bible says he was growing in wisdom huh, and stature at 12. At 12, he understood. And so what the world is teaching us today is a complicated, what they're trying to push down your throat is a prosperity, a health and wealth, a sign-based salvation. So now let me get to the victory portion of this. You ready? Get your pen because this is going to be important. Watch what he says. He says, what will accompany? He said, these signs. Watch this. When you believe in my name. He said, what's the first thing you're going to do? They will cast out what? Demons. You ready? First victory, write down. Second victory, third victory, whatever victory this is. Victory over Satan. You got victory over Satan. You tell Satan, you ain't got no victory over me no more. I speak to you. I cast you out of my life. Cast you out of my marriage. I cast you out of this and cast you out of that. Why? Because you have victory in Jesus Christ. Why you let the devil hoodwink you so much and he ain't got no victory over you? You've been set free. You have victory over the demonic realm. Satan can no longer have you. Do you believe that though? Some of you are beaten down, broken. Why are you always broken and you got victory? Why are your head always hung low? Why you walk around looking like that when you have victory in Jesus Christ? He says you will be able to cast out demons. You have victory over Satan. Because Christ has victory over him. The next thing he says, you will speak With new tongues. Now watch this. The word tongue, glosso, is the word for language. Okay? So if I speak Chinese and you speak English, you got two different languages. Amen? Watch this. This particular gift happened at the book in, in, the, in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3. Watch this. When they spoke in that in different tongues when there were people from all over the world who was there in Jerusalem at the Passover and the disciples spoke in a language that they could understand. So this has to do with language. So watch this. You ready for this? Life and death is in the power of the what? Tongue. So you ready? We have victory over Satan, but the next thing we have victory over is we have victory over self. Because what you say to yourself, how you speak all day long, God gave you a new tongue. So in other words, start speaking it. Oh, hallelujah to your holy name. You are wonderful. You are great. You are omnipotent. El Ilyan, El Olem. Come on, those are new tongues, new languages. Stop looking for all this stuff that even God don't even understand that stuff coming out your mouth. <laughs> what is that? Translate that for me. Say something he could understand in the tongue that he's given it to you. If he gave it to you in Spanish, you could say, ¿Qué pasó? <laughs> Amen. ¿Cómo te llama? Amen. You could, you could say it like that. Mucho trabajo, poquito dinero. You could say it like that. 
If you're from Trinidad, where you say, man? <laughs> That's language. How can we get something so simple, so complicated, because we allow the TV preacher to fool us into thinking we got to do all that to be saved? You have victory over self. Speak to yourself. Speak with a language that glorifies him in the tongue that he gave you. God, I worship you. Listen, why, why keep talking about all the negative things? Speak tongues of edification. Victory over self. <sighs> James says, life, James says the tongue, watch this, is a fire. Set aflame by hell. But you speak in all that other stuff. Watch it. I, I know people who speak in tongues. They're some of the most unholy people I've ever met in my life. I'm going to just put it like that. But when they come to church, and then they go outside, and they live way on a whole nother spectrum, but you just spoke in tongues. Listen, if you're speaking in tongues, okay, so let's just say you say, well, I, it's legitimate. It's, a, it's my prayer language. Okay, prayer language. Okay, prayer language. I, I, I am knocking some people. I'm about to say I ain't knocking, but I am knocking you. If you speak in tongues, you come and come find me an interpreter. That's the biblical standard for speaking in tongues. It, and watch this. And speaking in tongues is not for believers, it's for unbelievers. So when you do all that shibba-dubba in the church, guess what? You drawing attention to yourself. You want attention. You ain't got no attention. You better call your husband or somebody and say, give me some attention. People do that stuff in church, man. And, 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 and I believe they do it for attention. They want, they want, people, they want to be seen. They speak in tongues and then they live. How about you speak the language of love? How about you start, start, start speaking the language of love? See, not only that, but when you have this sign of victory over self, watch this. Your self-talk and the way you speak to people, it changes. You stop cussing. Let's talk about that first tongue thing that God need to deliver you from, your little cursing person. That's the first language he delivered you from. Profanity. Master that and then come speaking tongues to me. I take it all day long. You still cussing and carrying on and all this stuff because you listen to Drake all day and all this other stuff. Putting it in your spirit. Tell you them a victory over self. How many want victory over self? 
Right? You get mad. You're about to cuss. You're like, bless you. God is good. I'm about to go upside your head, but God bless you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Victory over what? I got victory over self. He said, these are the signs. This is how you know you're saved. You could have self-control. Because you got the spirit of God in you to give you the self-control because you're about to go off. Some of you ain't there yet. You're still going off. Man, listen, I, I, this is the sign I want. Man, man, I want to be a changed man. I don't want to keep talking the same way. See what I'm saying? But we may, people have taken this thing and made it so hard for people to obtain salvation that they, they feel like failures in the end. And then watch this. Then they end up shipwrecked, broken. Watch this. Watch the next thing. <laughs> you know why he gave you victory over your tongue? So you can witness for God. He wants you to witness for him. Tell somebody else. Watch what he says next. You're it? Now this one's going to help you. What, what are we going to do next? We're going to pick up. They will pick up what? Serpents. That man in Virginia. He's too old to know. To, to, to just be that slow. Lord bless his soul. I don't know, you know, God bless him. But he doesn't he doesn't got the snake and he just all over the place. Oh, I can pick up snakes in the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh shoot. Snake bit him, he dead. He died. Uh I wish I was there to help him. Man, it's metaphorically, bro. You don't go pluck your eye out. You don't cut your hand off. Right? Even though it's an anomative case and digging the move, future tense. It was for the disciples. And this did happen. Paul, when he got shipwrecked at Miletus, it bit him. The serpent, the, the, the cobra. A cobra stung him. And he didn't swell up. But it was for his witness. And then that, that really brought more credibility to the church that's why the church is still here watch this you ready for this one you will have here's what the serpent represents ready give it to me you will have victory over sin and satanic seduction you know how the devil shows up and starts seducing you with that Bacardi and that Hennessy and that Patron and that Blunt Hold on a bit. <laughs> kind of lost my way right there. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on now. Somebody started getting hot. <laughs> Seduction. He knows what you like. But you have victory over sin, y'all. Sin, your fr- remember I told you this, right? The power of the gospel. You're saved from the presence of sin. The power of sin. Sin past, present, and future. So if I'm, if not, doesn't mean you're not going to sin. It just means it doesn't rule over you. 
But see, when I looked at the serpent piece, I said, that's seduction. Because watch this. The serpent seduced Eve. And here's what he will seduce you to do. To add to the word. Ah, To take away from the word. To alter the word. To make the word something it's not. And that's how a lot of people go astray. Whenever you start believing a lie, you've been seduced. What did the serpent do? Listen, when you have victory over sin, watch this. Here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the deep thing about the victory over sin and seduction. When you happen to fall into the trap, God will give you a way out. When you're not saved, there's no way out. <laughs> it's only one way. But, 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 but as a believer, what you do, when you fall into sin, see, I got victory over sin. I got victory over seduction, right? Watch this. And when I fall into it, I see the opening. Now, the question is, will you take it? But if you have victory over self, come on, somebody. Hey. When you, when you, when you have victory over Satan, Satan knows you have, you know what's crazy about this? Satan knows more about your position in Christ than you may know about your position in Christ. But we live so defeated. Satan doesn't have to do much to put, throw us off. You know, you know that, right? He ain't got to do much. He's like, my work is easy. Keep you out the word. Keep you from praying. Keep you from church. Amen. And guess what? I got you. How easy is that? Get you busy with success. You know, throw more responsibility on you so you have to spend less and less time in church. Because you ain't coming to be filled up, see? And then with the pandemic, oh, yeah, he got a whole lot of people. A whole lot of dead bodies. Spiritually. (laughs) He likes you. I ain't got to worry about you. Listen, whenever, whenever you stop fighting or get in a fight, you got to check and see what side you're on now. Yeah. Because if, if you're not fighting anymore and life is just cool, uh, my question to you is, who are you living with? Oh, don't you answer that. I already know what some of y'all are going to say. You may be the devil you're talking about. Watch this. He says you will drink what? (laughs) You will drink. I'm sorry. And if they drink any deadly poison. I was was trying to figure this one out. You know what I mean? What is this? What is this, Lord? Show Show it to me. If you drink any deadly poison, you know, a lot of preachers won't handle this passage. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to preach it in a sense because because it, it, it's literally saying this is, these are the signs that will follow salvation. But you have to know how to interpret scripture correctly. There's poetry, there's allegories, there's metaphors, right? There are parables. So, so, so this falls into that metaphor piece for us. You got to understand that it was literal for them. And then, uh, then when it transfers now, 
it's metaphor for us. See? Because I ain't drinking no deadly poison for nothing. Now, here's the thing now. When you have that drink, that is poison. It's a spirit and poison. It's going to mess up your body eventually, and then, you know, the spirit that's in you, put it in you. <laughs> so what's the next, what, what is this deadly poison thing? And the Lord began to show it to me. What is Satan doing now to most people? He doesn't poison by putting, you know, stuff in your drink. He read, that's, that's old. Here's how he poisons you. Ready? TV. Music. Yeah. He poisons us so we can suffer. So the next thing that we have victory over is suffering. Poison of the word. Watch this. Politics. Come on, y'all. Come on, man. Look what, look what Satan has done to America. I don't blame the white people. I don't blame the black people. I don't blame nobody. I blame Satan. He's the guy that shows up, instigate the fight, and then stand back. <laughs> I swear he's like a little kid, man. Sometimes I'd be like talking to him like, man, you a little kid, dude. Seriously, you just start stuff and then back out the way and watch them fight. He uses politics. He uses music. He poisons us with the world. That's what he does. The poison that he's, because I didn't find it in scripture. I said, it's got to be the world. And when you're drinking the poison, you're going to suffer. But we have victory over suffering. Because we have a choice. Watch this. If you happen to drink it, God says, listen, you better get that antidote quickly. Jesus. Because guess what? Some of us, we may drink it every now and then. Listen, think about what the pandemic has done. Every time I watch boxing, seriously, like, on the serious side, I am a boxing fan. So I watch, like, seven hours of old boxing matches. You know what I mean? Like, I'll sit there and just watch it, checking out the moves and things like that. I go to sleep. <laughs> And man, all in my sleep, man, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Watch seven hours of Empire, P Valley, and just watch all the episodes. What's up, happen? You know when you go to sleep? How many of you have? Do you go to sleep? Is it just me? Oh, okay, all right, okay. In your come on, come on now. You start dreaming like you were the cast or you were the main character. <laughs> Some of you even got a man in there. <laughs> yeah. 
some of you, seriously, you like you fantasizing about this stuff because you're living in, in not in reality, and that's the poison that Satan has polluted us with. I ain't gonna get on the stories. I, I'm gonna leave the stories alone. <laughs> Look what he says. Look what he said. Lastly, I ain't got to say much about suffering, right? We understand that one. He says, then they will lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. Man, listen. I thank God that I have victory not on facts, but not on feelings, but on facts. I thank God that my victory comes in his name. I thank God today that I have victory over Satan. You know, when, when my wife and I, when we go through those tough seasons in our lives, we always say Satan is not bigger than us. See? And we know that, listen, if I know I've already won the game, if I know I already have the victory, all I got to do is play. Who wouldn't play in a game like that? Who wouldn't get in a fight like that? If you knew you were going to win the fight, wouldn't you not get in? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. With salvation, the, the victory of the gospel is because you, the victory of the gospel means this, that you have these things. But this is the one that Satan uses a lot. He will use sickness, y'all. And let me tell you something about sickness. If you ain't never been sick, keep living. I used to hear I used to hear that from the pulpit all the time. Like, if you ain't never, I'm good. I'm sure I ain't nothing wrong with me. Keep living. Because when sickness hits your life, it changes you. It's either going to show that you really have faith, that you really believe what you believe. That you really have victory? Or it will prove that you were a fraud. Because you will have no control over anything. So the last thing you got to remember when you're sick or when you're laying on that sick bed, we have victory over sickness. Because death has been defeated at Calvary. Are you with me? As I close today, I want you to remember, I don't know if you guys remember the Nike commercial that said, I want to be like Mike. I remember that? They sold a lot of tennis shoes with folk wanting to be like Mike. They sold number 23 jerseys because folk wanted to be like Mike. The problem is that it takes a lot more than tennis shoes to be like Mike. You got to be able to fly to be like Mike. Because Mike is in a class all by himself. He's unique among all professional basketball players. So designed to be like Mike and wearing his paraphernalia that gives the impression you're like Mike doesn't make you like Mike. <laughs> Are you with me? Because he's unique. 
what Satan is offering <laughs> is the possibility of being when he talked to Eve and Adam. He gave them the possibility of being like God. Hello, somebody. And what Satan wants is for you to not use your victory. Watch this. And misinterpret your victory so you can be like somebody else. And so as I close today, I say this to you. Amen. Today, you have the victory of the gospel. And it accompanies your salvation. Start living in victory. Come on and give God a hand.